Before we dive on into football, we want to thank the sponsor of today's episode, Southern Cigar Co. Southern Cigar Co. is a premium cigar subscription service founded with the goal of connecting cigar lovers around the world with nothing but the best smokes. Heading into a cigar shop and choosing from a vast selection can be a daunting task. Southern Cigar Co. has developed a service that takes away the worry and the hassle while providing you with premium cigars every single month. For under $40 per month and free shipping within the United States, Southern Cigar Co. will ship four of their finest cigars right to your door, with the first box of every subscription including a triple torch lighter, a double guillotine cutter, a Boveda humidity pack, and an informational card displaying everything you need to know about your newest cigars. There's no better pairing to Sunday football and your favorite bottle of beer or glass of scotch than one of Southern Cigar Co.'s top-of-the-line smokes. The world's best cigar subscription would make the perfect gift for the cigar lover in your life. Head to southerncigarco.com and enter promo code PUTB for 10% off your first order. Again, that's southerncigarco.com and enter promo code PUTB for 10% off your first order. And now, on to the football. Bonjour, hello, and happy Super Sunday, everybody. Welcome to the Pick of the Blitz podcast, the show where a guy and his former high school history teacher talk a lot about football and very little about history. I'm Justin Heyer, here with Nicky B, Nick Bellotto himself. <laughs> We're live on the Locker Room app, and today, even though it is Super Sunday, obviously, an all-NFL event, today we're recording our Dolphins show, and we'll be on for our all-NFL show tomorrow, uh, live on Locker Room, to recap the Super Bowl itself. But today we're talking Dolphins football. It is Super Sunday. We are very excited about that for sure. Uh, Nick and I were just saying before the show started, this is this is one of those special days of the year, one of the only, uh, honestly, uh, days of the year. Honestly, like for me, I'm putting this on a plane with Thanksgiving and Christmas, one of those days where everybody, no matter who you are, or where you're from, this is one of the days that just everyone loves because everyone's happy. Everyone's having a good time, even in this sort of weird COVID world that we're, we're living in. This is one of our escapes. So I'm certainly very excited for today, Nick. I'm sure you are as well. Yeah, I, I can't wait. You know, listen, Super Bowl Sunday, I always, I've been saying for years that this should be a national holiday because why not? This is a, a day where most most people are going to be just kind of kicking back and enjoying some some football. Yeah, it's a little bit weird, right, for, in terms of the the year and just the whole, uh, the you know, the party aspect has dissipated a bit, but it's still it's still a Super Bowl and it's it couldn't be a more incredible matchup uh, in this one. So it's, there's just so much to be excited about today. One hundred percent. I'm sure but we'll. Not uh... if you're a Dolphin fan. There's nothing to be excited <laughs> about today. I, I'm sure we'll divert a little bit into into Super Bowl talk as we're going, but. We are going to – we'll talk some Dolphins now. It's been a little bit since we've had a Dolphin-centric show just because we have to push this week's back a little bit. So we, we, we've had some some Dolphins news that's come out. I'm, I'm – you know, I usually toss you to bring up the first topic, but I know where we're going first. Dolphins uh, this week announced – actually, they didn't. ESPN and NFL Network announced the Dolphins have still not uh, given a formal word, uh, word on this themselves. But per Adam Schefter and, uh, and the folks at ESPN and NFL Network as well, the Dolphins are going to run a – weird coaching system uh, mm. specifically on offense this year. George Gotze, last year's tight ends coach, and Eric Studsville, last year's running backs coach, are going to be co-offensive 
coordinators. No team in the NFL, uh, at least in recent history, has had two uh, two coaches with that title. There have been uh, co-defensive coordinators. There have been guys that have sort of split offensive duties. The 49ers this year had a passing game coordinator and a running game coordinator. Kyle Shanahan running the plays. But the Dolphins are the only NFL team to have co-offensive coordinators at the NFL level. There are teams that do it at the college level, most notably Clemson as of late. But, Nick, what was your initial reaction to this announcement, Godsey and Studsville both being offensive coordinators? My first thought was the the old adage, if you have two quarterbacks, you have none. That was my sure. first thought, is this is, not only is it weird, it seems completely unnecessary. Like, there did they out so you said there's no words and there is no word yet still on the the dolphins and and how this is going to work but who's calling the plays who's running the who who's doing what right this is a situation that is lending itself to being too many uh too many chefs in the kitchen you're like you have too many people doing too many things and then nothing gets done right you get crappy food so i, I don't know i listen i i'm ex- I like the hiring of internal guys. Like, I like that aspect of it um, to an extent, right? Uh, you know, if they run the same offense as we saw last year, that's problematic. But um, I think that's good. Uh, but pick one, right? Don't like, just pick one. You can't have, like, you can't have two head coaches, right? You can't have two GMs. Like, you need someone, one person in that position to lead and then the other guy to support that leader. You can't have two people. And if there's any type of jockeying for power in that room, it's just going to be totally chaotic. I, I just – I don't like it. Um, it, it just, just pick one. Like, don't be nice. Just pick one. Yeah. Uh, so my initial reaction was very uh, much along the same lines as yours. It was, it was underwhelming. We had gone a month almost since – Chan Gailey's impromptu resignation, retirement, whatever that was, firing, who knows? Uh, but it was technically he stepped down. And we were, we were waiting for a while. First it was, okay, maybe the Dolphins will go for this initial list of five candidates that came out. Pep Hamilton, Tony Elliott from Clemson, Mike McDaniel from San Francisco. There were Matt Canada from Pittsburgh. There were guys that, you know, sort of external candidates, new guys to be excited about. Then we heard that, of course, Godson and Studsville were in the running, but you know, at that point, it was like, well, if they were going internal, probably would have happened already. Then we go for a couple months. Slowly, that list gets whittled down. Canada gets promoted from within. Tony Elliott stays at Clemson. Canada joined one of his good friends, Robert Sala, in New York to be their OC. So the Dolphins, uh, they chose not to hire Pep Hamilton, who became a quarterback's coach. There was rumors about maybe Ken Dorsey uh, would want to come down to Miami. So there were rumors all over the place. And Godsey and Stutzel sort of just stayed by the wayside. And then all of a sudden we get to the Senior Bowl and the two of them are splitting play calling duties. It was like, oh, so maybe that was our first inclination. And with all of that hype, it was kind of an underwhelming move. You brought up being nice. You were being facetious there, I presume, right? Because uh, I don't think yes. Flores <laughs> is promoting to be nice. Yes, no, 100%. I was being facetious. <laughs> so I, I, my after parsing through it, after thinking it over, I came up with five sort of silver lining positives because it was mostly negative reaction from fans. I want to run through them with you to get your reaction on those potential positives. One, Godsey and Studsville were both seen as highly respected on the staff, and that was way before any potential promoting of offensive coordinator. Studsville's known as one of the most respected running backs coaches in the league, and Godsey went from tight ends coach to being a game day QBs coach because of how much he connected with Tua and how much Flores liked him. So I thought that was a positive. Positive number two, neither were Chan Gailey disciples. Gailey brought some guys to Miami staff. Neither were with, neither were there because of Gailey. Both had been brought on 
before Gailey brought there, which I think is a positive because Gailey sucked. Three. <laughs> Godsey uh, and quarterbacks coach Charlie Fry, who's going to have also major input on this offense per ESPN, both have a very strong relationship with Tua. That's an obvious positive there. Four, Tua will have some familiarity with the guys calling his plays. That's helpful for a, a rookie QB's development. And most importantly, uh, I think this is the, the most important thing of note, even though this is not a normal thing to do in the, you know, in the NFL, that does not make it inherently bad, right? Sometimes innovation is the way to go. Um, you know, lots of things could happen between now and when we ultimately get to decide if this was a good or bad decision. Those are my five silver linings. I mean, I, I appreciate you finding the, the, the like good, the good in the chaos. Um, and listen, I, I'm, I'm hopeful that it works out. Like I said, I do, I do appreciate the in-house hiring. I think that's important. I just think that before anything happens, um, there needs to be a clear division of power of the responsibilities of that, of that position. Right. Because you can't have, like, I don't think this is going to happen, but let's say worst case scenario, one calls a play, the other doesn't like it. They jockey over who's calling plays (laughs) on one instance in a game. It's just, that's going to be totally chaotic. So um, I think there need, I, I appreciate the idea of having two minds involved in building an offensive game plan. I think that's, I, I think there's not really a whole lot wrong with that. Um, but when it comes to game day duties, right, I think that's where the biggest issue is. Prep work, all that stuff is one thing, but game day duties need to be clearly identified who's doing what. 100%. Uh, if they do what they did at the senior bowl, which I don't think they will, where it's one guy one half, one guy the other half, that's too inconsistent. If you have one guy doing, you know, uh, between the between the 20s and then one guy red zone, I don't think that's a good idea either. And And there are teams that do have, coaches who have specific uh, duties in that regard. Some guys focus on passing games. Some guys focus on red zone. Some guys focus on third and fourth down. That That is a thing in the NFL. But but are they calling plays in no. that scenario or are they building the game plans? Right? Exactly. No. And the, so that's, that's the caveat. I do think it is vital that you have one guy who's the play caller and you stick with, you stick with him, Brian Flores. I don't care yes. if the first couple games don't go well, please just give someone a chance to establish some consistency on offense because since Flores has been here, we haven't had that, right? We went from Chad O'Shea so, to Chan Gailey and now split guys. Just give someone a full shot to call the plays and have the other guy be equally in charge of, of game planning. I saw one guy on ESPN said it will be his most likely thought, I can't remember the analyst now, is that the Dolphins will have a primary play caller and then the other guy will be in that guy's ear sort of suggesting things on game day and talking about what he's seeing but he'll be mostly primarily a split game planner, not a split play caller. And that's, and that's fine. Cause you know, and, and you took the point, uh, another point that I wanted to make, um, you know, we saw Brian Flores, uh, you know, making in game switches when things weren't going well offensively last year with the benching of Tua. And you can't do that with your coordinators, right? You can't do that with your play caller. No. So if the first half things aren't going well, you can't be like, all right, you do it now. And like, that's, I mean, I'm laughing because that's the most insane thing I can think of, right? <laughs> like, that's yeah. absolutely insane. So, like, you you have to ride and die with one guy being your play caller. That's that's the only way this this works out. A hundred percent. I honestly, my guess is that where this sort of came from is that Flores Flores is someone who obviously grew up. When I say grew up, I mean sort of going up the ranks of the coaching staff on the defensive side of the ball. That doesn't mean he doesn't know offense, but it means it's not his specialty. And so he gave the reins completely to Chad O'Shea and then completely to Chan Gailey, and both didn't go well. And so he says, okay, I, I need more eyes 
in that room of people I trust. I and trust I Godzilla. That. I trust Studs. Uh, I, I, Godzilla. I trust Studsville. And I really like Charlie Fry. Let's put them all in a room together, have them work it out together. And then, I, honestly, Nick, I wouldn't be surprised if, if, if Doobies have already been delineated. If he's already decided, okay, this guy's going to do this, this guy's going to do this, and this guy's going to do this. Maybe not. Maybe they sort of take mini camp and, and training camp and go through it a little bit. But uh, I, I would imagine that there's already a pretty solid plan in place. I don't think you make this move unless you have a plan of sorts. Yeah, 100%. And, and you're, you're right. Like, the Dolphins haven't said it yet, but there's definitely – they've already figured it out. It's just like, from my peace of mind, can you tell me? Just tell me. Like, I'm not asking for a whole lot. Just tell me how it's going to work. Fans' so peace like, of mind. Yeah, so I can sleep better at night, you know? Yeah, no, I, I, I don't necessarily blame you there because I, I think most fans, most Dolphins fans, especially those on Twitter, as I like to reference when we're on here, were a little bit, uh, I don't want to say freaked out, but but definitely uncomfy with the idea of, of more uncertainty, right? I think we, all, we were all finally waiting for the announcement so we could say or know with certainty what the plan was, and now we still don't you know, know the plan, but, uh, you know, suffice it to say, I'm sure we'll get more clarity as, as we go forward. We have to, we can't get less than what we've already got. That's fair. All right. Where are we going next? What do you want to discuss next on this, on this dot volume three? Let's talk about how terrible yesterday was for Miami Dolphins. Just across the board. Oh, across the board. Now I will say that I think of the so I, I don't know if I'll let you introduce it because you're usually you're usually better at that than I am. I'm so assuming NFL, you know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah, yeah. No, I, I got you. I, we're on the same wavelength here. NFL okay, honors, very good. NFL honors were last night, and that is usually a time where Dolphins fans don't have, at least of, of late, much to look forward to. The NFL honors is a relatively new thing, right? Mm-hmm. And in in recent history, we haven't had a lot to look forward to. So. The one saving grace for the Dolphins over the past couple of years has been the Bridgestone Clutch Performance Play of the Year. In uh, two seasons ago, that was the Miami Miracle, or now three seasons ago, now that we've had two, two full seasons since, the Miami Miracle, Tannehill to, what was it, Parker to Stills to Drake, Gronkowski didn't have the angle, touchdown Miami. That's the, that's the call. I've watched it a million times. I'm sure you have too. That was yep. the Dolphins won award that year. Last year... It was the Mountaineer shot, the Jason Sanders to Matt Hawk, or Matt Hawk to Jason Sanders touchdown that uh, the Dolphins got trick play against the Eagles. This year, the Dolphins had a lot to look forward to, Dolphins fans and, and the team alike. Xavier Howard, finalist for Defensive Player of the Year. Ryan Flores, finalist for Coach of the Year. Zach Thomas, finalist for the Hall of Fame. Ryan Fitzpatrick, finalist for Bridgestone Clutch Performance Play of the Year. His no-look shot to Matt Collins for the Raiders win. And fifth and finally... Big E, as he's known on Twitter, was yes. a finalist for NFL Fan of the Year. Shout out to Big E. One of the uh, faces at this point of Dolphins fandom was one of the three finalists for NFL Fan of the Year, where 32 fans and uh, 32 finalists uh, were, were, were being considered, and he was one of the final three. So five things that Dolphins fans could have got. We got none. We got Absolutely nothing. zero. <laughs> we we, walked we out hit there with zero. Nothing. Oh for five. <laughs> <laughs> which sucked, honestly. Like, I, I, I wasn't able to watch. Uh, I wasn't actually able to watch the broadcast, but I was keeping up on Twitter. I was okay, not one, not two, not three, not four. It just, it sucked. It sucked. So That was my so, reaction. It did suck. So let's, let's tell me which one that you're, okay, so I, I have a lot of thoughts on all of these, but I don't know if we have time to break 
all of them down. I mean, I don't know what time you got. What were... <laughs> Fair enough. Um, what was the one where you were the most shocked that a dolphin didn't get some tor- type of recognition yesterday? And what was the scenario where you were like, yeah, I get that one. This will probably come as a surprise okay. to you. But my biggest shock, what hurt most is that we went 0 for 5. If you take each one individually... I, I wasn't necessarily shocked. So I, to be completely and totally honest, I might go Big E not getting fan of the year being the biggest shock, knowing how much <laughs> he's done for – no, and I'm not even being – I'm not even kidding. I know. Knowing how much know, he's done for the Dolphins community and, and uh, on Twitter and at games and he goes to every – like, I don't know. If anyone has watched his interviews on NFL Network and all that kind of stuff, he's pretty prominent. I thought he had a really good shot given, obviously, that he was in the final three. If you take each of the others individually and consider what won – you could kind of say to yourself, okay, I guess that kind of makes sense. If I'm looking at one of the four actual football awards, it would have been Xavier Howard Defensive Player of the Year uh, for, for me. That that was the most frustrating. Okay. What about you? So for me, the one that makes – okay, so obviously Big E not winning fan of the year, that's – that's terrible. Um, I mean, he like I know, and we're speaking from a biased perspective. Obviously. Yes, I don't know who the I, I, I yeah, don't know exactly. much about the the winning fan. But what we fan. do know is that Biggie is the is Dolphins Twitter, right? He is yeah. that. Like any like at any point that you if you're a Dolphins fan, if you put on your Twitter feed, if you just quickly scroll through it, you will see him seven to eight times, and that's like in a thirty <laughs> second scroll. Like he is Dolphins Twitter, so that's unfortunate. Yeah. But I, so I'm going to talk just about the awards. I think sure. Oh, and, and other honors, because I, I think the one that made the most sense to me um, uh, with a Dolphin not getting it was Brian Flores as coach of the year, yes. um, because because the the winners of that were just I mean, Stefanski was was incredible and, and what he did with the Brown and they won a playoff game. So maybe if the Dolphins story. Maybe, right, if the Dolphins make the playoffs, then maybe maybe I'm a little bit more upset about it, but they didn't. And it is what it is. So Stefanski, I think, makes a whole lot of sense over Brian Flores. The one honor that bothered me, and it's the same honor that's been bothering me for the last like, yeah, five years, is that Zach Thomas still has not made it into the Hall of Fame. Right. And this is like the reason it bothers me so much is because it's almost like there's an indictment against the Miami Dolphins of the early of the 2000s. Not so much against Zach Thomas. It's about that team. Right. You know, he was uh, he's been in the Pro Bowl a bunch of times. He was an all pro a bunch of times. He led the league in tackles all the time. If you what bothers me is if you look at Brian Urlacher's stats and you look at um, at Zach Thomas's stats, the only difference between the two is that Brian Urlacher went to the playoffs more often and maybe had one more Pro Bowl. And then every other statistic, every other statistic, Zach Thomas has him beat. So it's one like I just don't understand why he keeps getting snubbed. And that's not like I'm not trying to take away from the the people that made it to the Hall of Fame yesterday. Right. There is no question in my mind that from a football perspective, Peyton Manning is was was better. Right. Overall, like that's not even a question. Calvin Johnson, not even a question. Charles Woodson, not even a question. You know, then when you start getting into like the John Lynch's, the, the Alan Fanica's, right? Like great players. I'm not trying to take away from their individual accomplishments, but how come Zach is not considered in that same, that same realm in terms of dominance of their position? And I really think it's an unfair and like uh, attack on the dolphins of the early two thousands. Cause I mean, it, it makes no sense that Zach Thomas is not in the hall of fame yet. 
makes no sense. I, I completely and wholeheartedly agree with the fact that he more than deserves to be in. When you look at his contemporaries, the same at the position that that are also that are also in. And you have more of an appreciation for it in terms of watching it in person because I'm, I'm 21 years old. So I've seen Zach Thomas, but I was young when I saw Zach Thomas. So uh, even that that appreciation, I, I know you have a little bit more so than, than me, but purely looking at accolades, he 100% deserves it. The reason that one shocked me less, maybe hurt me as much, but shocked me less than Xavier Howard Defensive Player of the Year, just goes for, uh, speaks to rather the people that were chosen instead. So you knew Peyton Manning was getting in. Obviously, no question. You knew Charles Woodson was getting in and, and should have gotten in. Calvin Johnson as well. Um, and then you get to who are the two? Because I know there were eight that got in, but only two others were modern era finalists who got in over Zach Thomas. It was John Alan Fanica and Alan Fanica and, and John Lynch. So Alan Fanica, I actually felt deserved it. Guards, offensive linemen in general, but especially guards because they're the least of the three offensive line positions that are most talked about really don't get discussed very much. Alan Fanica missed one game in 10 years in his final 10 years in the NFL and was an all pro in like eight of those years. That's dominance, like utter absolute best in the league at that time dominance. So that didn't surprise me. The John Lynch one, I think is where I could have put Zach Thomas over. John Lynch is also though waited. He's waited uh, as long or longer, maybe longer than Zach Thomas at this point. I'm not a hundred percent sure. I, I don't know uh, exactly either. The, the retirement age that I think was the, the, the final potential toss up. Drew Pearson, I think was a, uh, not a modern era finalist and the other two as well, but that was the toss up for me. The reason defensive player of the year with Xavier Howard kind of pissed me off is because first of all, last year, Stefan Gilmore got it with fewer statistical accomplishments. Mm-hmm. Second of all, if you look at Aaron Donald, as a player, is probably the best in the NFL right now, just bar none. Which, I mean, then you say, well, Justin, then how can you know that defense player of the year? That's fine in terms of best player. But in terms of best season, this year, Xavier Howard put together a, a season by defensive back. We haven't seen it over a decade. I think, personally, and I know it's not just picks to sacks, but you look at 10 interceptions and then 13 and a half sacks, no one has had 10 interceptions in the past yep. decade and a half. Aaron Donald, 13 and a half sacks, that happens a couple times for a couple players every single year. I mean, sure. that that was frustrating to me. Sure, and, and, I, and I totally hear that. I, and, you know, I think you and I were talking about it a couple of weeks ago where we had basically narrowed it down to Donald or Howard. I think my yeah. biggest issue, Donald and, and Aaron Donald is, is probably going to go down as one of the greatest defensive players to ever play the game, right, when all yeah. is said and done. Absolutely incredible at what he does at his trade. Um, so the fact that he won it is not – necessarily shocking to me because even this year when he had a little bit of a down year by his standards numerically it was incredible he was unblockable still um that being said I think what bothered me more than Howard not winning it is that he only got three votes out of 50 that that's what bothers me most is that there were so many people that said yeah TJ Watt was better and and I'm not trying to take away from what TJ Watt does TJ Watt is an incredible defender and he's an incredible athlete but what Zay, the, the performance that you saw that you already touched on from Xavier and Howard this year, you don't see that every year. And, and he, had, he was the best cornerback in the league. He had the most interceptions in the league. People couldn't throw his way. He, he's, he intercepted everybody, everybody, no matter who you are. He had two on Mahomes, right? So it, he was able to shadow – like 
it's one of those things where it just – I feel like people sometimes look at what the Dolphins do and they just kind of disregard it a little bit because they got to go with the named guy. And, and again, I'm not uh, – Aaron Donald is was deserving of the award. I'm, I'm not questioning of that. But the fact that there are so many people around the, the, the circles of the league that, that didn't think that Damian Howard even deserved a vote over T.J. Watt, that, that's where it bothers me. Because then you're it, not looking it, at the full game. You're looking at Dolphins player. 100%. Kind of it. Yeah, it made no sense to me. And, and, and Josh is coming in here and saying Devin White not getting a vote is, is just, uh, just as if not more respectful than Howard's three. Devin White was dominant for sure. Uh, that, I agree. But I, agree I, I, I don't know if I'd say more disrespectful than Howard's three. And, and I want to dispel this, this argument because I saw it way too much last night for me to not mention it. Someone said to me, uh, or said uh, in reference to something I said on Twitter that Jalen Ramsey was is is a better corner than Xavier Howard, and if you have a better corner than the corner than than the corner that you're talking about, then how is your corner defensive player of the year? That's ridiculous. J- Jalen Ramsey, I would I'll say right now, Jalen Ramsey is whole career considered a better cornerback than Xavier Howard. Last year, Jalen Ramsey had one interception, right? One, right? Xavier Howard but, had ten. Like, and, and it's about one and, and season, not it's about just this season. Career. Exactly. Exactly. It's not right. a career award. That's that's the Hall of Fame. Right. But yeah. this is not this is not that's not the same situation. And you cannot tell me as good as Jalen Ramsey is. And I do think, like you said, he's probably the better corner. He's definitely the one that stayed healthy the longest. Right. He did not in any way, shape or form have a better season than Xavier Howard did this year. There's like, exactly. there's no way. But that's but that's again, that's another argument. That, that works against, you know, like people who don't look at the entirety of the game, right? When you look at the Dolphins defense, nobody was throwing on Xavier Howard. Nobody. Absolutely nobody. And the last time I saw Jalen Ramsey play, he got torched by, by Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers. Nobody was throwing on Xavier Howard this year. So, so that argument doesn't make any sense to me. No, it makes sense. Let's also talk about the fact, by the way, that Xavier Howard comes back this year from injury. And the Dolphins' defense, I'm not saying it's just saving her, but the Dolphins' defense goes from essentially worst to first, save for one yep. or two spots, right? Yep. Especially because and, and, so. And Xavier, if you like want to impact. talk careers, if people want to talk careers to you, Justin, maybe you should throw out the idea, too, that Xavier Howard has the most interceptions of any cornerback over the last three years, and he missed a season. Where are you at, Jalen Ramsey? Like, at least the argument for Jalen Ramsey, where are you at? Right? And that. You had, you had a whole season. To catch up to this guy, and you didn't. Yeah, so and, and people talk careers. People will also say, "Well, it's not just about the picks." I don't. I th- you're right. It's not just about the picks. Saving Howard was top three in coverage grade too. Like it's not. It's not just the splash plays. He blankets receivers too. And I, I and Nick, I know. And he did and not have an listeners. easy job this year. He did no. not have an easy job this year. No, I like. I know we're we're biased, but he literally checked off every box, picks, passes, defense. Coverage great, and then finally, the last argument that I heard that that I think could have some credence is Aaron Donald impacts every play, right? It's not just about the stats; he impacts the whole defense. What go back to what I just said? Xavier Howard not on the field. Xavier Howard on the field. Dolphins defense goes from worst to first. So, like, I think I but think see, his impact but is see, there I can for the see, whole team. But see, I can I see that argument a little bit more clear than the other ones, right? Where Aaron because Aaron Donald against the rush and the pass is a dominant player. And that's why, that's why I'm even saying like I Aaron Donald winning is I'm okay with that. That, that is, 
That makes sense to me. My my concern, my issue is that you didn't even consider Xavier Howard the next best guy, right? Right. Be- Not even so more than TJ Watt. So, because I do, I do think that's a very fair argument saying that on every single play, Aaron Donald makes an impact. Every single play, because he does, right? But so does Xavier um, Howard in locking down a side but, of the field. Sure, sure. But on running plays, he is less of a has less of an impact than Donald does on passing plays, right? Does that make sense? Like the, the, I understand that argument more than all of the other arguments you brought up because sure. against the run and against the pass, you have to account for Aaron Donald. You have to account for Aaron Zayvon uh, Howard against the pass, which he was incredible against this year. Yeah, but then honestly, at that point, like then you just pick the most dominant defensive tackle every year because the most dominant defensive tackle every year has an impact and, against the run and the pass. So well, that's I why, mean, but that, but that, so yes, but that's. That's why Aaron Donald's won it three years in a row, right? Yeah, or three out of four. But I'm just saying, at that point, then you're essentially disqualifying defensive backs, which I, I don't think is totally fair. I, I don't think it's totally fair either. But until Aaron Donald, like, until – again, I understand Aaron Donald because he is yeah. a dominant, a beyond dominant defender in this league. My issue is with TJ Watt's second. And if X was second, I wouldn't even be talking about this. Sure. I really wouldn't. Not that TJ Watt didn't have a great year because he did. And and I'm not trying to take away from him either, but like, that's like, 10 interceptions is really hard to do against the quarterbacks that that Damian Howard had to go up against this year. Exactly. We see 13 to 15 sacks by more than one player almost every single year. We haven't seen 10 picks in, in, I think it was 13 years. So. Yeah. I'm, I'm a little bit at a loss. Also, I I agree that I think if, if the Dolphins were more relevant, then we wouldn't necessarily be having this conversation about going over five at, at the at the NFL honors, but it is what it is. For the sake of of uh, of covering them all, we did we haven't yet discussed Bridgestone Clutch Performance Play of the Year. I was really hoping that for one a bothered. Three-peat. Me. That, that I was really like, hoping for a three-peat. That I yeah I, I and you know listen, the Hail Mary was nice. The Hail Mary was nice. I'm not I'm not going to debate it, but Hail Murray got a call by its name. Sorry, the Hail Murray ap- apologies. Um, but but Ryan Fitzpatrick hitting Matt Collins, a no-name receiver who dropped more balls than he caught uh, for a 45-yard game while getting his face ripped off. Like, come on. Like, <laughs> come on. Like, like if we're talking about – If we're talking about sheer difficulty. His was the wrong yeah. direction. Like, he could have been dead at the end of that. You can't tell me that's not the best play of the year. Come on now. Like sheer difficulty, that that has got to be that has got to be it. That has to be it. And it's not like it's not like the the committee who's choosing this. I'm not exactly how this one is voted for, but it's not like they're going on on relevance of place because the Dolphins won in the past two years with a totally irrelevant trick play, the Mountaineer yeah. shot, and then a totally irrelevant uh, Miami miracle. So we're not necessarily going off playoff relevance here, of which the Hail Mary was obviously uh, a little bit more given the fact that uh, – or was it even? No, I don't even think it was because you had – well, yeah, you had one playoff team in that game and, and, and none in the, in the Dolphins' Raiders game. But still, sheer difficulty. It's got to go to Fitzpatrick. Had, yeah, yeah, and I think, you know, you, you throw in the Hopkins situation too. Like, Hopkins is one of the best receivers in the games. You throw it up to him, he's going to come down with the ball more often than not. You throw it to Mac Collins, you, that's, a, that's a roll of the dice. You have no idea if that ball is being caught. It could hit him in the. It could hit him right in the hands, and there is no guarantee that that ball gets caught. So I, I think that everything is working as beautifully as it did. Just like 
I don't know. Again, I'm biased. I appreciate the Hail Murray. But if you if you can complete a pass like that to win a game with your backup quarterback to a seventh string receiver while your face is getting ripped off, I don't I can't I can't see the argument why that's not the winner. Yeah, suffice it to say it was a very frustrating Saturday night for yeah. for Dolphins fans all over. Huh. All righty. Uh, that, that, <laughs> now that, brings us now past, that we got that yeah. therapeutic rant out of the we way. Can, <laughs> yeah, bring us past that sigh of relief, that, that rant, that frustration. Can I just uh, anything else thing, you wanted to hit? Yeah. One thing just totally non-Dolphin related. I'm super happy for Alex Smith. And I think, oh, I, yes. I, think I speak on behalf of the entire NFL world. Um, super happy for Alex Smith winning comeback player of the year. Um, well done, sir. Just well done. I actually I appreciate you bringing that up for two reasons. One, they should rename that award the Alex Smith Comeback Player of the Year Award. That that is here's my I'm putting in my request I'll on this you. show for that Alex Smith uh, Alex Smith Comeback Player of the Year Award. And second, did you see the vote count on that award? I did not. No, it was forty nine out of fifty. Who forty nine out of fifty? One? Someone decided that. Literally half an arm Ben Roethlisberger deserved that vote more than almost died and came back to lead his team to the playoffs, Alex Smith. Do we know who that was? I'm assuming the Pittsburgh representative for the vote. Like, who else is doing that? Yeah. So, yeah. That, I I, I thought, was absurd. The guy almost died and is and brought his team to the playoffs. How how is Big Ben in any way close to that? Because he hurt his whittle arm. Saul says Big Ben LMAO. That's exactly how I feel. Yes, hundred percent Saul. That's that's exactly how it is. <laughs> like what the f- honestly like yeah. what the f- I just uh, that that was frustrating to me. So screw that guy because Alex Smith one hundred percent deserved a unanimous award on that yeah 100 so. all right all anything right. you what do you want to hit next draft free agency i know we're going to have a lot of time to get into that and it is super sunday so i'll leave it to you decide where we get yeah, next. well you know we we spent a lot of time talking draft um the last two times i don't know if you want to dive into it again um but uh well, okay so let's i want to i want to actually uh, We'll we'll close on this on this sort of draft slash free agency question because it ties a little, it ties it all together. So we had the Matthew Stafford trade. Now we're hearing rumors about oh, all boy. the quarterbacks at this point, right? We've got Wentz apparently imminent deal over the next couple of days. Uh, Colts and Bears leading that charge. Uh, the New York Jets are fielding offers for Sam Darnold. We're hearing that the mm-hmm. Washington Football Team and potentially the Panthers are both interested in him. We're hearing that Derek Carr and Marcus Mariota are both being shopped around or at least they're fielding offers uh, in Mike Mayock and John Gruden. The Las Vegas Raiders are fielding offers for Carr and for Mariota. All of this could have potential impacts on the Miami Dolphins, given the fact that it will change the Jets starting quarterback. And most importantly, I think for the next couple of months could change our potential suitors for that number three overall spot. If we're going to, if we're going to be trading back, is there anything that you're sort of hoping to see at this point from a Dolphins fan perspective about how this quarterback carousel plays out? There is one thing above all other things that I, I am looking for, and that is Deshaun Watson to not go to the Jets. That is it. Everything else, answer. whatever. Whatever happens, happens. Uh, it's not going to have a huge direct impact on us, right? Because the chances of the Jets taking one of those quarterbacks 
that you just mentioned uh, that's not named Deshaun Watson, probably it's not going to have the biggest impact on us, right? But that's so – it has to be that for me. Please, for the love of all things good in this world, do not let the Jets get Deshaun Watson. Everything else we'll figure out later. Uh, Whoever wants to trade for the number three pick, uh, I'm open to all discussions when it comes to that, unless you're New England. Screw you, New England. But please, for the love of God, please do not – I'm not even going to say it again because I don't want to say it into existence. I'm knocking on uh, this wood table next to where I'm sitting. Well, if if, if Cal McNair, Jack Easterby, and Nick Sarah have anything to say about it, he ain't going anywhere, which at this point, in my opinion, is just silly ridiculous because you are not – you're just – you're not repairing that relationship at this point. I don't yeah, think it's going to happen. And you, you're you losing suitors left and right. If the Panthers, let's say, get Darnold and the Bears get Wentz, you're not trading Watson to the to the Colts. And uh, if the Jets get Carr, like who knows at this point? But every team that trades for a quarterback is another team that's not trading for Deshaun Watson, which narrows that market thinner and thinner and thinner, and you're losing your chance at a bidding war. So the fact yeah. that they're standing so firm is essentially saying to me that they're hoping to stand firm all the way through to 2028 when his contract and franchise tag <laughs> window expires. I'm telling you right now, his contract expires in 2025, and then you have three uh, franchise tag years. So unless they're planning on standing pat till 2028, I don't know what the plan is at this point because I don't no, think he's come yeah. back. What, what they're doing makes zero sense to me. Um, you know, maybe what the Jets are – I don't know. It makes no sense to me what, what, the, what the Texans are doing, but – you're right. It, the longer they wait, and we and we said this, I think the both of us agreed on this last week. Yeah. The longer they wait, the more complicated it's going to be to deal him, and they're going to have to take less for him because he's not playing for you, Houston. Like, wrap your mind around that. He ain't playing for you. So just move on from him, at, from him when you can before all these other dominoes fall because if they all fall first, you're going to be stuck with, like, a seventh-round pick. You got to deal with it. Yeah, from a leverage perspective, like you're losing I, it all. I it's all gone. Yeah, because I don't think you gain any more leverage by discussing how unwilling you are to trade him. Everyone knows you don't want to trade your superstar franchise quarterback, right? So, from a leverage perspective, I think your leverage comes from the bidding war, not from being unwilling to deal him, right? Right. Yes. Yeah. Your leverage comes from everybody else still looking to get that top quarterback, and if Wentz, Carr. Mariota, I don't think it's that big of a deal. Um, Darnold, if, if those three guys go if before, you've lost three legitimate suitors who don't have anything to pay you now. Now, what's interesting, however, is if Darnold goes, right, that might net them more picks that would be attractive to Houston. But, I mean, you, you want to you have as many suitors as you can, and if all these guys go first, you've lost three, four, five of them because they don't have the draft capital to, to, to pick them up. Makes no sense. Yeah, that's uh, that. That is an, actually an interesting point as to whether or not Darnold gives the Jets more uh, more ammunition with picks that they could get from him, or with dealing him to Houston. I guess it depends on Houston's affinity for Sam Darnold. But uh, anyway, that'll all be playing out over the next uh, week or so. I'm sure by the time we're back talking on, uh, maybe not on 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 tomorrow, we'll have have more trades to talk about. But by the next episode, I'm sure we'll have more quarterback carousel at least to parse. And so, and on that on that note, I want to agree with something that Saul put in the chat there. Thank God that Miami is not connected to any of those quarterbacks that are not Deshaun Watson, because that would that would be such a huge mistake for this franchise if they were linked to any of those human beings as their quarterback going forward. 
I mean, yeah, there's just no way. You're not taking I'm Derek not Carr taking Derek or Sam Darnold or Wentz or Bridgewater or any of them or Mariota over Tua going into this. The I mean, I think quarterback, that's... The only quarterback I am taking over potentially Tua is, is maybe Deshaun Watson, and that's it. No one else even comes close. Yeah. I, I, if, if we even heard the inkling of a rumor about something like that it would I'd be lose my mind yeah no, it I'd would be it. absolute don't i would be all everyone would have to be off dolphins twitter for several days for it to for it to cool off yeah biggie would be very upset <laughs> shout out again to biggie all righty um wild card question of the day i know you you came in with with the last one so it is my turn that, to that bring. basically broke justin everybody i just want it everyone basically, to know oh that reminds me. I do. I, I have the Twitter uh, Twitter results poll written down for that. Let okay. Me, let me let me pull that up one second. I'm sorry. I did not have it. I did not have it ready. Okay. It's okay. So this is the awkward silence part of the show, guys. The question that Nick asked last week was this is a wild card <laughs> question of the day. Would you rather look like a potato or feel like a potato? This is where we get off of uh, really off of football. And Twitter says. By a vote of 88% on our Pick of the Blitz Twitter account, 88% of people would rather feel like a potato than look like a potato. I And I agree. Which, I won't look, look all lumpy. Which I, thi- I think by the end of our laughing fit and like 10-minute <laughs> discussion on this question, we both agreed with that sentiment. But apparently the rest of... The rest of Pickup with Twitter agrees with us as well. So that uh, <laughs> that settles that debate. Here's another hot debate topic for you. It's a little more of a uh, of a, a normal, I guess, random question that people do <laughs> oh, ask. So but I'm asking be because it, it's not boring because it does get a heated debate out of some people. So I'm, I'm going to ask it because uh, Tua was on a Grub, I think it was Grubhub commercial yesterday with Cole Beasley and a couple of the Dolphins players and. The point of the commercial was, which I and I found this ironic. Would you rather, or not? Would you rather? Would you put pineapple on your pizza? Do you put pineapple on your pizza? Colloquially known as Hawaiian style pizza, Tua is vehemently against pineapple on the pizza. Hence the irony. What is your stance, Nicolato, on pineapple on pizza? So first, I want to ask a question: Why is everyone so against it? It it feels wrong. Why? It, it just feels Why does it feel wrong. wrong. It, okay, so if I told you, Nick, would you put pineapple in your chicken soup? Would that feel that feels wrong, right? No, that would for the taste. Same, okay, so um, for the same okay. kind of reasons. I would for people who don't know pizza. much about it, who haven't I would, tasted it. I would, I would put pineapple on my pizza and be okay with it. Would I'm not going to order go a slice of Hawaiian pizza over everything else. Probably not. But if you gave me Hawaiian pizza, I would eat it and not be upset about it. See, I just. To me, there's like a. <laughs> I don't think you were expecting that answer. <laughs> no, I, well, for, it's a boring answer. It's a down the middle sort of staying on the fence answer. But uh, like to me, there's something. There's like a visceral wrongness. To but why? It's just pineapple. 
But it's the same reason I just said to you. Would you put pineapple in your chicken soup? Don't you have like a visceral that's wrong? But like that would be like gross. That? Like that wouldn't taste good. But I think to most people who haven't had pineapple on pizza, which I'll just say it right now, I haven't because it feels wrong to me. So why? Like, so okay. So why don't why don't you try it? Why don't you try it and come back? If to me I next told week? you that I just had pineapple in my chicken soup and it was delicious, would you do it? Probably if not. You told me if you. Okay, so I think the premise of your argument is flawed because I just don't eat chicken soup. Like, I just, I, I don't eat my. I don't, I don't know. Something else my... really savory, like chili. I don't know. Like, something. I, so, listen, I think, I think that people are just super Steak. against it, but you gotta, like, try it. Try it. Pineapple goes well with, like, pork products. So, like, you know, ham and pineapple, it's, there's nothing wrong with that. Okay, fine. It's not just ham and pineapple. It's ham, okay, pineapple, right. mozzarella cheese, so you, marinara sauce, okay, and bread. Okay, okay. So let me ask you a question. Which one do you think is grosser? P- uh, pineapple on your pizza or tuna on your pizza? That all, It's equally gross. I'm not putting no, tuna it, it, on. And, and you know what? <laughs> so <laughs> I've actually had tuna on my pizza, and I'm not going to Why? It, it is better than you think it is. So when I was – Under uh, what circumstance? When I when – I, when I did a study abroad program when I was in college, uh, we were in Venice and they had they had pizzas and they had just it was called tono. That's that's tuna in Italian. And I had no idea what it was. So I was like, yeah, I'll have a slice of that. And then I ate it. and I was like, that's tuna on your pizza, sir. And it was actually pretty good. They actually also put horse on pizza in Italy. So like what's what? weirder, man? Horse, 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 tuna. No, 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 no. Like black beauty, like sea biscuit. <laughs> horse. <laughs> that's the... okay so that... what's grosser so pineapple now is probably the top of your list of what you're gonna try now to it is of all the things that you just listed to me pineapple is 100 percent at the top of my list but okay so here's the thing like when i'm when i'm going to eat pizza i don't want to like i i want to my immediate reaction is i want to enjoy this meal right i want to have a couple slices of pizza and i don't want to waste one on pineapple. But what I'll do next time is next time I'm with someone who does like Hawaiian pizza, I will for you try uh, some of theirs okay. and you know just, just take I'll, just, I'll, listen, I'll report back. I'll report back. Just take a take a couple pieces of pineapple from their slice and just drop it on yours. Yeah, and or just, you know just what? Try I'll, it. I'll I'll take some pineapple. Oh, do you if you have to I'm assuming you have to cook it on the pizza. I was gonna say I could take it from my house and just put it on the pizza that I'm having I mean you during could, Super Bowl you, Sunday. You could if you wanted to. I, I mean, it's it's going to be the same thing. Like, you know, for, the, okay, for the sake of experiment, I think I have pineapple in the house. For the sake of experiment, I'm having pizza tonight for Super Bowl Sunday. Standard. I will try it, and I will report back tomorrow on the show my reaction. Okay, and uh, okay, great. And I, I think that's a fair way to do it. Try it before you knock it, because that's what everybody does. They're always like, oh, it's the worst thing in the world. Did you try it? Tuna on pizza sounds gross too, but it was actually pretty good. I did not eat the sea biscuit on pizza. That that freaked me out a little bit. I'm 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 glad to hear that. I would have been slightly concerned. Not that, yeah, I, that you know, I shouldn't judge the other cultures either, but I'm just that just that's no. That no that one no. one that one was one where I was like, mm, mm, can't do that. And Saul no, says no, no, I no. can't do it with cold pineapple though. He's saying in the chat. But that, so I, think, I, I think that's fair though. I think Saul's right. I, I think you sh- I think the pineapple needs to be warm because if you have a I think if you have cold like toppings on anything hot it's just gonna be bad so it's just gonna it's gonna you know skew your, your okay so you know what i'll take a slice i'll throw it back in the oven with some right. pineapple on it and and i will report back that's the incentive for everyone to come back and listen to tomorrow's show hear my reaction on <laughs> screw, screw our super bowl reaction hear my hawaiian pizza reaction on tomorrow's show
Amen. You know, amen. For the pizza yeah, or something. for the football. And yeah, we'll put that on the Twitter on the Twitter account too, so everybody <laughs> everybody can come back and listen. All right. Well, on that note, thank you very much to everyone who listened to today's show. Uh, Josh and Salvador are here currently still live on Locker Room. Thanks for thanks for jumping on. As always, like I just referenced, we'll be back tomorrow for our all NFL show, and of course tomorrow being our all NFL show, we will be giving our Super Bowl Sunday breakdown, reaction, recap, what have you. We'll be back tomorrow evening for that. This episode, this Dolphins offseason talk volume three will be up on all your podcasting platforms or wherever you get your podcasts within 24 hours. Uh, same 24-hour timeline for tomorrow's show once we record that live on Locker Room, so be sure to check those out on all your podcasting platforms. And then next week we'll be back with Dolphins offseason talk volume four. We'll dive more into some draft talk, into some free agency talk with that coming around the corner by next week. I think it'll be about a month out from free agency, so be sure to be ready uh, watching our Twitter timeline and our podcast timeline for that. But until then, thank you very much for listening, and we will see you tomorrow. Thanks, guys.